Welcome to Built for Life, the podcast dedicated to socially conscious property professionals who believe the future can be better than the present and your property decisions make it so. So to all of the innovators, this podcast will give you behind the scenes access to industry leading experts and researchers on how they think, create, analyze and deliver the best buildings in the world extracting their key advice, information, and considerations that you can apply to your personal and professional life. This is Adam Hines with my co-host, Jordan Ralph. Welcome to the Built for Life podcast. Hi, this is B Patel, the co-founder of BTR News, the industry's leading digital publication for Build Trend news, insights, research, and information. And you're listening to the Built for Life podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Built for Life podcast. And today we have a fantastic topic called Making Buildings That Change Lives for the Better, Designing for Feeling, Place, the Past, and the Future, with the fabulous guest Guy Holloway from Holloway Studio to walk us through. And a quick introduction to Guy. He is the principal partner at Holloway Studio which is a practice that places people and feeling at the core of its philosophy of architecture. So very topical for the Built for Life podcast. And both Guy and the practice really are are genuine figureheads for architecture in the southeast of England. They've won countless awards and they win countless awards each year. All you have to do is have a quick well, not even a quick scroll through of the awards list on their website. It takes a, a good five minutes to get through them all. There's so many awards on there. And that includes seven Reba Awards. He is also the co-author of the book From Now On, which is a fantastic read uh, on architecture and design philosophies. He is a lecturer at the Royal Institute of British Architects and has had his work published in the New York Times, D-Zine, Wired and the Telegraph. So, Guy, a huge welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. It's a pretty well, epic intro, Guy. Pretty sure pretty, is. Pretty awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Adam's been raving about um, about you since you you guys first caught up, and obviously um, was was very made up with a book that you sent him, which was a, a okay, lovely token. Great, great. So, um, I was obviously very very um, intrigued and interested to to meet you and, and and hear about all of your amazing work. I'm as Adam mentioned, I'm a, I'm a Kent man, and I've seen seen the name of your your business, your practice dotted about. So it was um yeah exciting to, to I have. I feel you like you're book. angling for a book as well, Joe. I uh, I would love a book. My my, my <laughs> thing that I normally do, guy. The guy that the, the thing that I normally do is invite myself to people's offices for site visits if they've got like three D printers or foam cutting machines. Yeah, I, I I normally invite myself into one of those. So. Um, Guy, I'd appreciate that if you could, because Jordan asked me to photocopy the one that you sent me. Yeah. So yeah. that would yeah. save that would no, save no, me no, a no lot problems. of grief. I'll get it. I'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't my intention, but that would be, uh, <laughs> no, that would be very nice. So, um, Guy, talking about uh, you personally before we delve into your your business, I'd be really interested. I think our listeners would as well, just to hear about your background and and kind of what led you to start. A business which is now thriving and 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 really shaping, I suppose, um, the, the the climate of Kent in terms of its built environment, but but wider as well. If that would be be okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, 
I, I, I kind of um, felt like a very young age that I was destined to become an architect. Um, maybe slightly failed artist um, and probably the right side of uh, creativity and also being able to think practically about things at the same time. Um, and I, my whole family brought up in Kent, uh, live here, my brother, my sister, my parents, everything. So my whole community and infrastructure is here. So we have a studio here in Kent, um, but I also have another studio in King's Cross in London. And I suppose I'm a great believer in if you invest in communities and people, um, then it gives back 10 times over. And mm-hmm. uh, I've, I'm really privileged to have that opportunity to really get under the skin of a place and understand it and really feel like I have a responsibility to creating new typologies, new types of buildings. You, you know, I'm, I'm in a very privileged position, I feel, to... Um, yeah, make places better for for people. And I have, more importantly, I have a very interesting uh, clients as well who who really believe in what we're doing and coming along on that journey as well. Amazing. I, I picked up on the point you said at the beginning of being a a, a failed artist. It, that's probably I would say it's. I mean, it's looking at the projects in your that you have on your website of you know the designs are, are amazing and so unique and different and I think it's probably a failed artist in the conventional sense but but a very successful one in another way um from from what you've what you've created and and, and I suppose the brand of your your work as well is is um extremely unique and, and amazing so and how how obviously the, the journey of your business was that focused predominantly on areas of Kent that you knew and worked and lived in or was that so I I, I came out of university uh, having studied a degree in architecture at Brighton and I I came out um, in the recession and I was just kind of nobody was getting any jobs there was no work whatsoever and there was um, we had some family friends with a small practice in Hyde in Kent and um, there were six people and he had made loads of people redundant and and he's no longer with us, Nigel, but he gave me my first break and my first job. And look, it's a long story, but the short version is I um, took over that whole business and made it my own and grew it from there. And I suppose sometimes, you know, when some quite interesting things can grow out of recessions and you you learn how to adapt and be quite entrepreneurial about your approach and um, you know working on projects with pretty small budgets and 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 growing from a grassroots um, situation you know and 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 then as the projects have become uh, not necessarily not all of them bigger but but you know you you find opportunity and you enthuse people and um, I think you can create um, more and more interesting projects. Uh, I, I've never been, I've, I've always been somebody, I suppose, who um, I like bringing about change. I like um, 
thinking about things differently. I, I like uh, thinking about how we use uh, buildings differently, but equally, I like to try and find and see opportunity for things to, to grow. Um, and, and, and I think I'm finding that. Um, and, 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 and I don't think there's any, if I look back on my career, there's no one like turning point. It's like a whole myriad of turning points that uh, a, a, a growing, growing a, a very creative uh, business, um, which is at its heart of it, is trying to create better places for people, really. Guy, there was something you said in at the very beginning of your sort of answer that I'd like to come back to because um, it's it sort of my ears pricked up when you said it, that you, you feel personally responsible to improve the lives of, of the community. Can you expand, like, wh why do you feel personally responsible for that? Because um, uh, I, 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 I really enjoy... Uh, going to our, our projects uh, and, and enjoying them. So whether it's a, a, a rock salt restaurant, which we built coming out of the sea uh, with my family or friends and enjoying that restaurant is just had its 10th year anniversary, or it's Dreamland, which is um, a heritage theme park that I did with um, Wayne Hemingway or it's um, or it's the Curious Brewery where we created a brewery which for the Curious Beer, which is made by winemakers, and and it's a restaurant and it's a touring thing. Um, or it was the first new build picture house in the UK, which um, which which has got loads of restaurants and stuff. And I, I just really get a kick out of using the buildings, going back to them, and and I think. I think as an architect, it's super important to try and design buildings that uh, have a have a lifespan. And what I'm what I mean by that is, I mean that they can get better with age, and that you can you can design something that has a long term sustainable future um, because of the way that you thought about the building and the materiality and and its lifespan so so that it is super successful so i'm not just talking about designing architecture i'm talking about understanding a business or understanding a place or understanding human behavior and how how we use buildings and and what does that contribute to society and our communities so that they can be a success so there's all these whole myriad of different factors that come into into play in order to create something that's going to be uh, ultimately stand the test of time. And if something stands the test of time, then it, 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 it's going to have a long term future. Then that, for me, is probably the most sustainable um, we can be, um, because uh, the more buildings take a lot of energy, they take a lot of time and energy and money and a lot of thought and to to put that to 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 ex the longer the life of the building that and that energy you put into it then um the the more sustainable that that building has become as a result of that thought process and 
and thinking. So, it, you know, the, the buildings need to be of, of quality, um, and, and they, but, they, but they need to stand the test of time. Wow, there's a uh, there's a lot to unpick there. I think what what I'll do is we'll we'll come back to there's a, there's a few points that I want to loop back on that you've just mentioned there that are really really important. Um, but one of the key themes that I've sort of identified with just in your commentary there around your buildings in terms of you're designing them for experience, but you're actually going back once it's finished and you are living that experience personally with your friends and your family. And that, I think, is really fascinating because I don't know many architects that would necessarily design buildings and then personally use them over and over again. Um, most would, I suppose, typically design it and then move straight on to the next one. And I think that's, that's something that's really interesting to me is how you are personally getting the benefit in your family and your community. And you can actually be a part of that, witness it and see it. So I think that whole experience element adds another layer um, to, to what you're offering. but. Before we unpick all the elements that um, we just ran through there, is it all right just to give a, a brief overview of Holloway Studio in terms of what your typical projects are, um, just at a, at a macro level? What sort of size and what sort of sector are you are you typically operating in? So I don't really like that expression, size and sector. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm more interested in uh, the client. Sure. Um, I'm more interested in what what they think and how they uh, what what makes them tick and 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 whether they buy into the philosophy of who we are. Right. And 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 when when minds are aligned, you can do really amazing things. Um. um and, it, and so really, it doesn't matter the size of the project. I mean, we have projects that say uh, we built um, we built a little house, probably the most published project. Um, it was shortlisted for best house in the world. And it's on Dungeness Beach. If you don't know Dungeness, it's uh, Europe's only desert. It's very un otherworldly. And there's a nuclear power station there. And this house costs £300,000 to build. It's a tiny project, but it it really typifies everything we believe in um, in terms of a building aging well, like fine wine or something like that. And 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 it sits beautifully on this on this site. And um, it's a holiday let. So you can go and stay there. We've stayed there. Um, Ed Sheeran stays there um, for inspiration and stuff like that. Wow. It's an amazing. It's a really amazing place, yeah. And um, and 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 it and it just it just bleeds into the landscape. And and I suppose we're interested in that on a really small project level, where we can really uh, test who we are and what we believe in and push ourselves right the way through to um, public building projects like we are designing the world's first multi-story skate park for um, a, a, a therapist called Sir Roger Dehan and it's 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 costing a it's a 20 million pound gift to the town and it's over four levels and it's um, it's it's for the beginner right the way through to uh, 
Tony Hawks, um, who called me by the way and would like to come and open it. And um, no it's way, climbing, it's got a climbing wall and it's got a boxing club and this this thing is um, it's getting so much interest globally. A lot of people are watching it, and this year was picked to to be the one of them by the Telegraph, or the, I think it was the Times actually, who said that it was top ten buildings in the world to look out for this uh, this year. Um, and that that's super exciting building, you know. Um, and it's us being very experimental and changing how we think about uh, skate or which is now an Olympic sport and climbing's Olympic sport as well, but still making it really relevant and, and cool and edgy for the, 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 the young kids of the town and, and for them to use. And by the way, if you're a young person in the town, you, it's one pound a month membership. So this is really a building for them, um, which is super exciting. And then we're going all the way up to um, designing some projects which are kind of mixed use up to about 150 million, where we're designing uh, film studios for Netflix and a media village and uh, a hotel. And, and it's, it's a creative community for multimedia and film um and we're looking at doing quite a few of these uh we're doing one in kent but we're looking at doing quite a few of these across the 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 country at the moment so the the portfolio is super diverse um and it is it, it's 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 not it's not about sector it's it's about it's about understanding design and human behavior and i think if you can do those things you can pretty much turn your hands to just about any type of typology of or sector of um, architecture um, so much so that we're starting now to start to think about one of the biggest questions in 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 certainly in in, in our country where we are uh, having to rethink uh, town centers and shopping malls and and, and we've got vast spaces that are empty as in the post-pandemic. And how can we repurpose these places for people and communities? And how can we think about, because our portfolio is diverse from hotels to skate parks to uh, climbing walls to retail and uh, amusement parks and so on and so forth. How can we rethink these things and, and do it in a way that is completely um flexible but working out a solution that's not just for tomorrow but for the next thinking about our town centers for the next 20 years plus guy probably mirroring what adam said a moment ago I, I probably don't know where to start in terms of um some of the, some of the projects you've listed and how, how amazing they are i think something when um adam first mentioned talking about having a podcast with you is just how um embed is probably not the right word but but he was calling you or referred to you as that he's a man of kent he's the man of kent and he is the whole practice is, is just kind of focused around the improvement of that area obviously projects of you, you you cover other areas as well but it's amazing to see just how many projects are um focused on on the area and is that is that been something that um has been driven by your 
I suppose your your background and 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 where you grew up, or has that been just something that? So I, I when I was studying um, my masters, I spent a year in the Czech Republic. Uh, just when the Czech Republic had sort of come out of um, uh, communism and they were grappling with capitalism, and I was living in a place called Brno, and um, there was a, a, an architect there called Fuchs. And he's a functionalist. And I think I went to every single one of his uh, buildings in this one town. And I just thought, wow, that's incredible that this guy's legacy isn't just one building, um, but it's like a whole town. Um, and the difference he's made in and, and the sense of pride in that one place was really quite extraordinary. And, I, and it it it. it, it really quite resonated with me. I think um, in a, maybe not by uh, design, but um, certainly as we move forward, we, uh, we, we need to create working environments, which are, uh, we are thinking about a life balance. And I never wanted to create a practice, which was a, a sweat box um, and, and, and actually, if you invest in a community, um, you can you can get from A to B a lot quicker because you understand the supply chain, you understand the politics, you understand the politicians, you you know the heads of planning, you you understand the the whole uh, network. Um, it's a and, and buildings are complicated things, anyways. And and if you can if you can navigate your way more quickly and efficiently you can deliver more cost effectively and to a higher quality and 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 i and i also think that it's really important that we we don't become a slave to to our to our work but we're living life because the our life the journey of our life is super important and if you don't enjoy the journey then what's the point you know we're not this this idea that we work to retire i mean in my head retirement is just a rude word we we need to enjoy what we're doing and i want to get up every morning feeling good about what i'm doing and thinking i'm going to make a difference so um if we can create a better balance and um we can actually um invest in what we we're, we're doing and doing it in a more efficient way then i think um that's a really positive thing to try and create and an environment to create. A point you just mentioned there around um, the enjoyment of, of what you're doing and the, saying that you hated the word sectors that you're, I, I suppose, that you would you would stick to. I suppose, interestingly, you could say that like like an area is your sector, like that's that's the sector of the business in terms of what you've really focused on and, and honed. And I guess just looking at a variety of projects, I had a look at you know, see some of these these projects that you've done and just how different they are, but but, but actually the commonality that, that is between all of them in terms of people and communities and and the behaviour and 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 design is um is 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 great and it's all it's awesome it's awesome to see and I think that's I guess from from in a, in a small way how Adam and I have approached our businesses and that we 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 don't want to just be typecast or pigeonholed into a into a certain sector or 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 delivery but actually look at the universal element of we're here to to improve well-being and, and health 
in the delivery of, of property, working with such sort of architects and, and engineers like, like yourself in, in terms of design teams. So that that excites me and I can see just how positive that is from a business experience as well and in, in with your teams and your staff and, and personally as well, knowing that looking at a skate park to then looking at, you know, this building in, in Dungeness in, in Europe's only desert is is amazing rather than thinking, right, our focus is number you know project number 10 this year which is another commercial fit out in the same sort of patch of london and the same sort of employers requirements so um it, it, it excites me listening to what to what you do and, and how varied that is so i can exactly see your philosophy works in in looking to to vary it and, and spice it up which is which is pretty I, awesome. I look i don't know if it's going to work for everyone but it seems to work for <laughs> For us, I, I I think you could become a, a a slight you know if you just pigeon your whole yourself into into one sector then maybe uh, okay you can perfect that over and over but um, it be, it would become closed off to new ideas um, and I think if you cross fertilize sectors or typologies of building then then you can bring much greater level of thinking and innovation and, and new ideas because um, you know how how you can you can learn from one experience to the other. I think what's really interesting about the portfolio is that no one building looks the same. Um, no one building uh, every building is about the place or the client or the community or it's responding to history or, or in, and it has a narrative. I, I, I strongly believe that we as architects have a responsibility to uncover stories of the past and connect with our past. Uh, I think it's the world gets bigger and uh, or smaller, sorry, with um, and, and communications. We 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 we, our identity and who we are and where we're from becomes more and more important. And architecture, that you know, needs to be innovative and contemporary and of its time, so that there is a, 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 a an understanding of time, but understand the past in order to move forward into the into the future. And and, and, and so every single project we do, we do this. Kind of really kind of in-depth analysis of of where it is and why and 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 really ask yourself why and um, and then if you can do that and get to the end of the project and 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 the 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 building and the project has has a has a story to tell then everybody can buy into that story and and it it reinforces uh, the place and, and and where it's come from. Guy, can, can we dive into that, um, I suppose, the philosophies of the business around designing for feel, for place, for the past and the future? What What is the actual process that you and the team go through to identify those elements before you've even started the project? And then I suppose, looping back to the previous point around understanding human behavior of the occupant or the the wider community who's going to use the space and how do you actually 
undertake that research and then in, use that to inform a really accurate, robust brief? Yeah, so I suppose I suppose the best way to describe that is to uh, maybe just give you a couple of examples. Um, we 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 just recently completed a hotel in Canterbury. I mean, Canterbury is protected by UNESCO. It's everything is listed, um, and 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 we're putting this hotel in the city centre, and we we we. It's quite a quite a big hotel, and, and and the cathedral is the most dominant building in Canterbury, and it's I don't know 7.6 million people visit Canterbury, and and we decided to put a, a restaurant on the roof so that so that everybody could enjoy the cathedral whilst sipping wine and eating good decent food, but when we we're trying to think about a response to the street, which is a very different different condition. I, I, I asked my team to, you know, research so we could be inspired. And they said to me, "Oh, guy, look, you know this site's on a, it's on a, it's on a Roman theatre. There's a Roman theatre underground, you know, in the archaeology." And I, and I said, "Guys, look, look, um, uh, I don't, not being funny, but." every part of Canterbury is on some kind of Roman theatre or some Roman something. Uh, that's, it's interesting, but it's not interesting, if you know what I mean. And they went away and researched them more and they said, look, um, this site was bombed in the war. And, um, and, I, and I said, look, I know it was bombed in the war and it was rebuilt in the 60s and my parents had their um, engagement party in this hotel with, with the previous one that was there. And, and, and guys, look, everything was bombed, yeah? Um, uh, and they they went away and did some more research and they they came back to me and they said look we've got it this time there's this church that's opposite and 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 it's like at a weird angle to the street and they couldn't get the horse and carts going through so they just chopped the facade off I mean can you imagine doing that today and 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 it's ended up with this sort of kind of weird juxtaposition of this side and I thought wow nobody's going to know that story and that's a really interesting story and and it's about the street and and so we reinterpreted that elevation into the facade of the building and then we started to to tell a narrative of the the street that might not have been uncovered before but don't get me wrong we still put a glass floor in so you could still see the Roman uh, theatre underneath the building and we still acknowledge the, the the bombing of the building and so on and so forth. But the point is that um, without that research and without understanding the the place, we wouldn't be inspired to create the facade that, that we did, which is which actually when you start to design, it starts to then the facade comes from an original place. So there's an originality to the architecture and it's, it's it's uh, th th there's so much information now on uh, Instagram and Google and everywhere and you you we could we could just be going into a uh, Insta style globally and I think that would be a, a real mistake and and what we need to do is research understand and and react and be original and be be contemporary but. But, but understand our roots. That's a, that was a really fascinating um, example. And, and one thing I'd like to, I suppose, expand upon there is how, if you, if you 
potentially have another example is how would you also undertake that same level of research and the evolution of, um, I suppose, from a customer stroke community perspective specific to the users of that building? And I'm not sure if a, a project comes to mind or potentially the skate park as to what, what you would go through trying to envisage who is going to use this building and how can we understand their behavior and create the most, yeah. So not brilliant. every building can be so, go on, yeah. rooted in history, yeah, because there's not always the appropriateness of that. So you 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 also need to understand the client and the user, um, it, 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 we we are merely custodians of um, architecture, and architecture will outlive us. Um, so the user is 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 so important. And I suppose when we were designing the skate park, um, we knew that we wanted to create a building that was felt very urban uh felt quite edgy quite felt quite raw and 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 the facade is uh is a is a crushed um metal facade that 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 is it's a big building but you can't read the size of the building because it's like this continually curving away from you and there, there isn't anything to give you a sense of scale because there aren't really too many windows in it at all. Um, so it is, it, it, it purposely feels urban and it grows from a smaller base to something that's big, gets bigger and bigger. So every floor plate gets larger and larger. And, it, and it's quite a shock, actually, um, looking at the building from outside and not perceiving scale. I suppose the only way I can describe that is, I mean, it's not as big as the pyramids in Egypt, but if you've ever been there, um, you, you, it's it, because it's one material, one shape, and it's one geometry, it's very hard to understand the scale of the building until you're like right up against it, or, <laughs> there, or you see it against a, a house or something mm. like that. So it really plays tricks on your mind. And then the shock is when you actually get in the building and you realize actually how big this place is. It is really quite amazing. Um, so, so can the, the, the other thing that we wanted to do there was to, well, we, by putting the skate up in the air, we're not taking away from the ground because the ground condition is the thing that's really important. So there's a, there's a cafe, we're activating the ground and we're inviting people into the building. If we had just put the skate park on the ground, it would have totally dominated the place, you know. Um, so by sticking it up in the air, um, we, 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 we give back to the ground condition. And then to experience that, we've created these uh, um, undulating concrete bowls that, um, that, that you, you can wander underneath. And you'll be able to hear the skateboards above your head. So you can really feel the weight and the, the bowls underneath. So even if you're not skating, you can feel like you can really experience this at the same time. And the engineering challenges of putting that much curving concrete in the air is um, quite quite an extraordinary thing. Um, and, and 
what we did then was also to create a skate bowl that that was inspired from the swimming pools of the Californian pools from the 1970s, and 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 so that if you're a kid in 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 England, you can uh, imagine that you were skating the the swimming pools that were empty because of a a drought uh, and. And, and, and you can have that experience here. And, and, I, and I think that's a, a complete nod to the, the, the origins of skate. And so right the way through to, the, to, to how we're skating today with a really um, a modern flow park and street parks. Just wow, that's, that's brilliant. I'd also be really interested to hear, because you were... A, a customer yourself of the um, was it the Rock Salt restaurant you mentioned earlier? Was was that the name of the restaurant? Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'd, I'd be really interested to hear that. I suppose the the process and methodology that you went through with um that restaurant as well. Is it is it okay to talk through that? Sure. Sure. So so we um, Folkestone is a is a town that's regenerating itself and it has a, a wonderful uh, client. For the, for the last 20 years, I've been working with him to 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 re regenerate this town, and 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 I really believe now we're we're entering into a, a coastal renaissance, and that the sort of investment in the town um, that 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 we're enjoying now has come from the roots of this one project, which we did. We were designing 12 years ago, um, and it's had its 10th birthday. And and literally, Folkestone Harbour, there was pretty much there was some fishing boats, but not a lot of investment, and and it and it really wasn't something that was considered to be something of beauty. And we were having these meetings and 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 trying to think about how we would design this building and. And and who would come? You know, who's going to come to this place? Um, and how big was it going to be? And honestly, we thought in the winter months it was going to be empty, and 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 nobody would uh, enjoy this. And 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 so, but by having the confidence and designing this building that grew out of the harbour and out of the sea, um, and and. And embedding it in 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 the place, and if you put people in a beautiful environment with uh, uh, fine wine and, and 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 nice food, then 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 you can create this atmosphere. And, and honestly, it feels like you're you could be in the south of France, and and it's got these wonderful balconies, and but it also gives back locally as well because. What we did was to there's a beautiful cobbled street and we created these steps outside that became seats. So if you couldn't afford to go in the restaurant, you could afford maybe to get some fish and chips from across the road. But you could sit on this bench seat and it was I designed this to be the best seat in the house, actually. So um, you didn't have to go in and pay all this uh, money to be in that same place. And I, I just. I take a lot of joy from the fact that this restaurant is going stronger than now, today, 10 years later than the day that it was um, conceived. 
and um, it, it 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 still looks as good as the day or better than the day that it was built because of the materiality and how it's formed in the place. Guy, that that is almost um, spooky. That how well that leads into uh, my next question. Um, talking around just ten years later, that it, it's still as as fresh as ever with through materials and it, its use. You, you mentioned this. Uh, phrase earlier around architectural outlive us all and almost like the fine wine concept um, that that they do get better with age. How, I mean, is this something that you you purposefully consider for for the future? And and I suppose in in doing so, how do you how do you uh, I suppose factor that into your designs and and proposals at an early stage? To, to really... Yeah, I, John, I think we learn from our mistakes. Well, I certainly do, and. Uh... <laughs> And and, and I, I have to confess, I you know, earlier in my career, I, I went back because I live here and I saw some projects and I thought, oh my God, I just don't want to have that experience again. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah. you just sort of think, oh, my God, you know, uh, that doesn't it looked great the day we built it, but it doesn't look good now. Right. And yeah. how do we how did we get that wrong? And, you know, we, we, we've got to do better. And, and, and we really started to think about that in a different way. And some other things that happened actually, um, uh, and, and, and a lot of, you know, quite often good things come out of um, really difficult situations. And we're post, post uh, Grenfell, um, clients have become far more obsessed about facades and quality of facades and non-combustible facades and durability of, of, of building and 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 now also in a post-pandemic society where we're living and monetizing from home more um, we're we're finding that clients have a you know feeling like they're they're, they're looking to um, invest more in them in their own communities as well, and and I, and I think it, all of that is just getting stronger and stronger. We 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 need to we need to be able to design more cleverly that that it's not just the facade, but it's also the structure of what we are creating. And the the amount of embodied energy that we're putting into and, and how we're building our buildings and, and, and where does that materiality uh, come from? We, we did a we did a piece of work with the university actually on Pobble with the house in Dungeness mm-hmm. where we studied every single um, material and where it came from. And how many people were, how many hands everything went through. And it just was staggering. I mean, it was hundreds, if not thousands of people where, you know, where, where, we, where we're sourcing materials. And, and the amount of material that we had no idea that we were specifying, thinking it was coming from, I, I, I don't know, somewhere in um, North Kent or something. But it's not at all. It was coming from somewhere from abroad and it was going on a boat and it was going through a port and it was sitting in a depot and then it was doing something else. And, and eventually it arrives. I don't know how, how late. 
and 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 actually um, we we have a responsibility to think about where these materials are coming from and 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 how they're getting there and how how we're building these buildings and and, and so that we can reduce our carbon footprint and we can we can make healthier healthier buildings because quite often the the solution is literally around the corner and that's why we spend a lot of time connecting to local subcontractors local businesses and to 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 try and look at new ways and new materials so that we can truly make that architecture local but still in a contemporary language yeah it's interesting i i started the question thinking about design and and that that was obviously the the the, the focus of the question but it's interesting that from from adam and i's perspective in in our delivery role as, as development manager or, or cost manager quantity surveyor we we look at the resilience of of a building um from a from a um, certainly from a business case perspective, obviously we're, we're not designers, but we, we focus quite heavily on is this going to be a robust asset in the next 20 to, to 30 years, based certainly on a lot of the principles that you've just mentioned. And our big focus is on people, on on how are they going to be responding in this building over time? And I think that talking around the, the materiality and, and the sustainability, looking looking locally, sourcing products locally is 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 absolutely huge and obviously we're seeing huge changes in material pricing and availability just because of the way the current supply chains of, of contractors are set up it, it it doesn't allow for a more localized um, procurement strategy which i'm sure is something that will change and will have to change over over time and do, do you focus heavily on i suppose behavioral change as well around you, you you spoke about working from home and the dynamic of what that looks like. Do you do you think about like the flexibility of spaces and and how they can be repurposing assets in the future? Is that something? So that so you... so we we we're doing um, some quite interesting. Well, there's there's a number of different things there. Um, the first thing is to say that uh, we are a creative industry and. I'm a strong believer in a studio culture for creative um, people, and I think it is a sector which is, yeah, I mean, that needs to be studio space because it's it's a constant conversation about design and creativity and so on and so forth. And I think we work better to, together as teams. Um, it, it, it's not a it sometimes it's a silo thing, but it's not. It really isn't. And I have 50 people, and yeah, I mean we are. We need to work together. Um, but there are lots of businesses that can work um, effectively, more effectively remotely. And I think a lot of, and we're helping some pretty big companies at the moment um, to 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 kind of rethink how they do things and what a hybrid office or a hybrid working of the future might be and 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 and, and we are looking at uh, more horizontal space less less vertical traditional office but more horizontal space which might mean that the space above could be occupied by 
some something else, but the the horizontal space will be imitative thinking, meeting, uh, social spaces, very different type of work environment because the 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 more we're working from home, the the more we're going to interact. We're going to need to interact. The more we're going to need to be inspired. I think one of the big questions at the moment is how how do how do how do we stop the the knowledge divide because you've got lots of young people coming out of university or school into business and how how do we allow the knowledge uh, the knowledge people to 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 educate and inspire and the, the 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 new workforces and how do we create those interactions um and 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 place making solutions i think there's going to we're, we're working with some hotel groups at the moment which are thinking very differently about a hotel a hotel of the future is less about rooms it's more about social spaces lounges work lounges meeting places uh, restaurants, wellness, spa, um, because we can choose if we want to now to work from work. You just, I've had enough of being at home. I'm going to go and take the family and I'm going to work from this amazing wellness hotel for two weeks and I'm going to work every day, but my family is going to um, have a good time and I'm going to meet them for dinner in the evening and then do my wellness and whatever that might be. So, we can combine and and be become far more the arbitrators of our future and and find a better better balance and, and not be so slavish to 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 the work in the same place so there's a there's a there's a really interesting time that we're living in at the moment which has been completely accelerated by the uh, the the pandemic and 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 which is creating these really interesting design challenges and, and the more soothsaying or looking to the future that we can do and the better we can understand where that human behavior is going to be, the more successful the design solutions that we are thinking about now will, will be for tomorrow. Wow, I think this podcast episode could go on for for hours there's so many philosophies and and different thought intricacies that we could sort of unpick and dive into but I, I i love the way that you're that you look and view the property industry it's its purpose and how impactful it can be and not just for the occupant tomorrow but for generations to come and i think that's obviously been a huge part of you and your practice's success is just the way that you approach and think about the problems, but also the solutions that, that buildings can deliver um, for such a, a vast variety of different people. So, yeah, absolutely brilliant to talk to you and, and, and fantastic to get an insight into your practice and the way that you approach delivering and designing and solving these really complex problems. And that's basically the end of the, uh, the, the our, our line of questioning. So my my last very simple question is: anyone that or everyone that 
people listening to this podcast is obviously going to want to get in touch with you. And where would be the best place for people to go to um, contact you, get in touch, uh, find, just follow? Our, just our website. Brilliant. Um, which is Holloway Studio. Um, and uh, there's a contact page on there. Or, or um, yeah, that would be the easiest thing for sure. Right. Okay. We'll, put, we'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> Um, but but thank you very much for for having me and listening and uh, and 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 being as enthusiastic as uh, we are about what we do. It's really nice to hear. Thanks for listening to the Built for Life podcast. If you learned something new today or found value from hearing from a different property perspective, please comment on what you found useful as it helps us understand what you like and what you want to hear more of. And also please subscribe if you want more. And most importantly, please share this video to the people in your network you believe will get the most value from the information as you are personally helping spread information and education across the industry. As they say, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. And by you watching and sharing this, you are now part of that group. And just to finish, if you would like unlimited free access to the world's best research and resources related to health, well-being and the built environment, you can subscribe to the Life Proven Library where academic research, reports and case studies are regularly added. They're then reviewed in detail and the key findings are extracted into easy to use dot points and also a brief summary video. So you don't even need to read the reports, all the heavy lifting has been done for you as you can just watch the summary. So just head to www.lifeproven.co.uk and click on the button library at the top of the page. And as always, if you have a project, an investment opportunity, or you are interested in a collaboration and would like to discuss directly, you can contact us at adam at lifeproven.co.uk.